You're listening to the Community Podcast, episode 134. Reverend Greg Tenbrink wraps up the Gospel According to Luke series in his message titled, Moving Forward. If you would like to learn more or watch the video from this podcast, please visit comref.org. Well, I shouldn't be late here now, should I? Well, you have to know something that uh, I think uh, this might be you said it. He, Pat looked at me with that Puss in Boots look earlier. You know, that big eyes, kind of s- soft. And he said, this could be our last time together. And I said, don't say that. Don't, don't say it. <laughs> but uh, it's not going to be long, is it, before you head to Jamaica. Well, good morning. Good morning. This morning, uh, we're going to look at the the last chapter of Luke, Luke 24, and we're going to look specifically at the last half of that chapter. Um, But before we do, first of all, I want to welcome those that are worshiping with us on live stream. And uh, I found out last week there were over 100 that were on watching live stream, and I happened to hear about one of those couples this past week on Thursday afternoon and what it means to them. It was Jerry and Millie Baker. So I'm going to say good morning to Jerry and Millie now. Uh, We're glad they're worshiping with us. So uh, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, may your word be my rule and your spirit my teacher and the glory of Christ my utmost concern. Lord, we lift this time up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the church calendar has traditionally called this Sunday, the Sunday after Easter. Do you know what? It's called Low Sunday. And you may ask that question, why? Maybe somewhat of a letdown after Palm Sunday, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and then Easter, Resurrection Sunday. So many look at this Sunday as uh, kind of a low Sunday, what's happened? And maybe uh, it's good to reflect on this a little bit. There were over 2,000 people that worshiped at Community Church throughout our services last week. I have to say there's, there's still quite a few here, but will there be, will we have 2,000 people here today? It's a good question, isn't it? The fact is, uh, this is the most, last week was the most well-known Sunday in probably our church calendar, other than Christmas. And yet, uh, we recognize the fact that over 2,000 years, there's only one person that has been thought of, studied, talked about, no one more than that of Jesus even today. And as much as uh, our culture tries to push God away, Jesus is still the most well-known name. And uh, we love him. Amen? Amen. But the fact is, this Sunday is much like I shared a couple weeks ago in the Gospel of Luke. There was a cloak over this Sunday. There was still a darkness Uh, the very fact of Jesus' crucifixion. And the disciples, they didn't get it yet. They still didn't get it. 
But those words really resonated with me. I don't know about you. Those words, and Pastor Trent shared them last Sunday, and also Pastor Chris Peters on uh, Monday, Thursday. And those words of Max Lucado have resonated with me, and maybe they have with you too. When he said this, he would rather go to hell than to go to heaven without you. Somehow those words have just been instilled indelibly in my heart to think about what Jesus did for us. So we're looking at this last chapter this morning. This account by a Gentile writer. Remember, he was the only Gentile noted to have written anything in the New Testament. In fact, as a note, he wrote more verses if you add the Gospel of Luke and Acts together. He wrote, wrote more verses than the Apostle Paul. But Luke has a way of looking at Jesus. And, uh, and I think part of it is because he was a physician and historian. He was, he was writing, as you may remember, to Theophilus. He put all of his accounts together for him. And I believe for us. So I'm going to invite you to look at, I believe on your pew Bibles, it's page 1026. So if you have a pew Bible, you're welcome to look at that, or the words will be on the screen. And we're going to start with uh, these words of Luke 24, 36 through 53, or uh, actually we'll break it apart. We'll go to 43 first, and then we're going to look at that, that scripture, because there's actually two accounts of Jesus appearing to the disciples and others in this last chapter. While they were still talking about this, and this is just after those that were touched on the road to Emmaus, remember the two? And if you want to hear more about that, Pastor Kurt sharing that at the 1030 service so you can double dip this morning. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And they were startled and frightened, thinking they had saw a ghost. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. First, I want us to think about this band of, uh, band of brothers, if you would, the disciples, a motley crew at best, but they had been handpicked by Jesus, handpicked. As of many, and there's some belief of this, you know, one of the goals of any young Hebrew boy would be to be selected by a rabbi to study under, to walk with and learn. It's very likely that this motley band of brothers had been rejected, each of them, by a respective rabbi that they had asked to maybe study under. And yet, who picked them? Each of them, 
by name. It was Jesus. Jesus called each of, each of them, and he called them to follow him. The reality is as different as all have one thing in common. And they had a deep love for their rabbi, for their teacher, who loved each of them unconditionally. For three years, they walked with him. The best way he taught them, and that was by example. Jesus' interactions, and then allowing each of the disciples to put those into practice. They walked, if you would, in the feet of the rabbi, the dust of the rabbi Jesus. And the fact is, uh, Jesus showed them how ministry is messy, didn't he? As he met with all different kinds of people in their encounters, whether the first account of a leper, or whether the woman who was bleeding, or the woman at the well, we can go on and on, those that that have been lame, those that didn't have sight. Jesus touched many people. In fact, the Gospel of John says, these are just some of the things that were recorded. If everything would have been recorded, what Jesus had done, a library could not hold the volume of books. That's how the Gospel of John ends. So, the fact is, the disciples were lost at this time. They were almost like a ship without a rudder. They were in a place of paralysis. Maybe in some ways, they were in shock. Their rabbi had been crucified. And they really didn't realize the significance of what Jesus did in terms of dying for us, dying for them, for the repentance of sin, coming to a place of forgiveness. And then he was resurrected by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the very fact is the disciples were still beside themselves. They were under, in a way, a cloak of darkness, another shroud on that Sunday. But Jesus comes to them. He comes to them in a room, and he shows himself to them. The fact is, um, these disciples were still concerned. They were concerned that uh, Pilate would come after them. Or how about Herod, that perverted leader in the Galilean uh, area? And then the military prowess of Rome. So the disciples were afraid if this happened to Jesus, wouldn't they be next? They executed him. And now... Here they are, left behind. The fact is, uh, there's an immense grief and sorrow that they're carrying. And I, I think today it's important for us to think about that. And Jesus knew it. In fact, around us uh, virtually every day, and as close to us as the media is, uh, we hear about things, and uh, just yesterday again, a catastrophe where there was a, a shooting in a synagogue and one person was killed and four injured in San Diego. We hear about what happened in Colorado just a couple days ago on I-70 where a tragic accident happened, where a number of people were killed. The fact is, we hear about these things each and every day, and yet do they touch us? Do they touch us? 
like what happened with the disciples. I was brought to this place. It was July 18, 2018, at about 3.45 p.m., when a young couple by the name of Logan and Hannah were driving through Hamilton. They had been married only 25 days, and they were killed instantly by a driver under the influence. A tragic accident. 25 days after they had been wed. It touched me because I become a friend of Hannah's mother and grandmother. You see, they've been attending Grief Share. And I've, I've gotten to see the rawness of grief and sorrow um, in their hearts and in their lives. And those of you who are there know exactly what I'm saying. There's something about it when you touch that directly, when you're involved in other people's lives. There's been many times where I've sat by the bedside of someone and have seen them take their last breath. It's a tough place, tough place for a family, for loved ones. But where would we be without last Sunday, with the living hope of the resurrection? I'm thankful that Logan and Hannah were of deep faith. They knew who their Lord and Savior was, and we know where they're at. But they're not present any longer in this life, uh, not with family gatherings, not sitting at the table, not laughing and having joyful times together. The fact is, the disciples were under, I think, a very similar grief. They probably went through those stages of grief that we know, like denial and anger, bargaining with God, depression, and then accepting the very fact that our rabbi is gone. A ball, a tangled ball of emotions, if you would. You see, that's the time it was for the disciples. It wasn't a time of Cadbury eggs and solid Russell Stover bunnies and uh, Easter baskets and all that. They had no idea what any of that means as we celebrate that last Sunday. One thing I can still remember when our kids were younger is for weeks I'd find that green grass, that stuff that they put in the baskets, that stuff seemed to show up for weeks. Reminding us of that day. But in a way, even through all of these emotions, life goes on, doesn't it? We move forward. In Grief Share, we don't talk about moving on, we talk about moving forward. It's not forgetting what had happened, it's working through that grief. It's so important to lean into grief. It hurts, but it's important to do that. Even in our Dutch, many of us, Dutch culture, uh, we want to just shove it under the rug, bury it, but that's not healthy. We need to lean into the grief, and the disciples needed that too. But now Luke, in his account, says this. What did Jesus say to them first? He said this, peace be with you. The first words he said, peace be with you. Can you imagine the disciples and the others there? hearing those words? What does peace mean? 
Well, in Hebrew, the word is shalom. And shalom means this. According to a theologian, local theologian, Cornelius Plantinga, he said this in one of his books, not the way it's supposed to be. He said this, the webbing together, this is what peace, shalom is. The webbing together of God, humans, and all creation in justice, fulfillment, and delight. This is what the Hebrew prophets called it, called it shalom. We call it peace, but it means far more than mere peace, a peace of mind or a ceasefire between enemies. In the Bible, shalom means a universal flourishing, a wholeness and delight, a rich state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied and natural gifts fruitfully employed, a state of affairs that inspires joyful wonder as its creator and savior opens doors and welcomes the creatures in whom he delights. Shalom, in other words, is the way things ought to be. And Jesus said that. Peace, shalom, be with you. Jesus' desire was, it always had been, was to bring the kingdom of heaven to the kingdom of earth. That's why he came. That's why he wept on Palm Sunday, remember, as that account in Luke 19, Jesus stood and wept over Jerusalem, didn't he, as he looked out. And then he said this, even you, even you, if you'd only known on this day what would bring you peace. He was the one who came to bring peace. The fact is, in our world, we're reminded of the words of John, John 10, 10, where he said, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. You see, the thief comes to steal our hope, kill our joy, and destroy our faith. But Jesus came to overcome that, to give us hope, to give us, to fill us with joy, and to give us our faith, which is a gift by God's grace. So even now, these disciples, this motley band of brothers, are paralyzed in some ways. And the resurrected Jesus comes to them in a vulnerable place. And this is what I want you to see in those verses. Jesus meets them in his full humanity. His full humanity. Right where they are to help them to move forward. And what did he say? Go ahead. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. I have flesh and bones. We don't know exactly what this all looks like, but... According to scripture, that's how we'll be too. And then he said, do you have anything to eat? So, of course, they gave him a plate of fish and chips. The fact is he ate with them. He ate. They could see he was truly human. You see, they had been startled. They were frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled? Why did doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and feet. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones. And then uh, and he went on as I shared, and he ate in their presence. See, I believe Jesus is helping those disciples, his loved ones and others, 
He's helping them to move forward. He's helping them not to move on, but to move forward, to deal with their grief. And you know, I think that's where it is for us as well. It's in the humanness that we can see Jesus. And it's in our humanity that we can touch others and be like Christ to them. Our world so desperately needs that today, wouldn't you say? Needs to see the hands and feet of Christ in us. So Jesus helps them move forward. And maybe that's just what he wants us to see too. You see, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he starts in verse 3, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort others with the same comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. And if you are distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. And if you are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance for the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, that just as you share in our sufferings, you also share in our comforts. You see, that's who we're called to be, to share in the comfort through the life struggles that we have. I've come to realize this even recently with my, our youngest daughter. And I want to share. She's had something deep in her heart because my wife, our, we have a niece, actually it's our nephew's uh, daughter and uh, who's diagnosed with cancer, has a young family, the prognosis is difficult. Three young children. They live in Birmingham, Alabama. It was uh, just the end of this week that we took her to the airport. Marie wanted to go and minister and show love to them, to be with Lynn and Paul and their kids, to sit with them. Again, I'm reminded that's the humanity that we're called to show to others, to touch and to reach out. She did that because you don't know our, our daughter, but if you met her, you'd have a little glimpse of Jesus. That's her heart. So helping, helping us in our walk of life as we struggle and the disciples certainly were struggling, weren't they? They still didn't quite see what Jesus had done. They were still waiting for someone to overthrow Rome, which is noted even now in, in Acts. But now it goes on, and I want to share the, the second movement in this final chapter, because here was one account where Jesus appeared to the disciples. Now I want you to fast forward a few weeks. And this is just before Jesus' ascension. So look at verse 44. And he said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. 
And he told them, this is what is written, that Christ will suffer and rise from the dead and on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with the power from on high. And then when he had led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. What a beautiful picture there. A different type of movement now. Jesus, he had touched them, he had come to them in his full humanity. Now he returns. And remember, it was 40 days from the time of the resurrection. Now he's preparing to leave, but he's not leaving us alone. Jesus now shares in this passage the entire Old Testament revealed the Messiah, the law of Moses. Jesus was revealed as a prophet. The Lord your God in Deuteronomy 18:15 says this, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers. You must listen to him. So it's noted in Deuteronomy, and there are many other scriptures. And then his sufferings were revealed in Psalm 22. You may be, remember those words. They begin with, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus' resurrection was exposed in Isaiah 53:11, where it says, after the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. So Jesus now is saying, all the Old Testament reveals me, looks to me, the coming Messiah, and I am here. A significant move for the disciples now. Disciples who had been in a locked room. You remember that. They had been in a locked room. I, I have this picture of probably the Christmas carol when Scrooge goes up to his bedroom and multiple deadbolts as he locks those doors. Jordan, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So I think it's that picture. They, they were fearful. They were in dismay, somewhat totally in shock and isolation, which is what happens many times to us in grief. We go into a place of isolation, but Jesus shows up. He's there. And what does he talk about? He says, you'll be my witnesses. As I bring the message of what? Of repentance and of sins, of forgiveness of sins. A beautiful picture. That's the gospel, my friends. That's the gospel. It's simple. It's not meant to be complicated. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and his desire for us to bring that same relationship to others. And then Jesus says, now I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. It was his humanity that promised the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He tells them to wait. And it's in Acts 1, 4, and 5, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
That's now the promise. This is what God is telling us in Christ. Jesus' words. A significant move from disciples who were once, just a few weeks ago, paralyzed in isolation. Now Jesus has said, it's time. It's time. You must do the work that I'm called, that I was called to do, and you must carry it on. And in the words of Matthew 28, 18 and 19, when Jesus said this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, of all peoples, all ethnicities, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them everything I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. You see, Jesus was around 40 days. And there's a reason I believe that 40 days. It wasn't just for the disciples and the others to see him, to move forward. It was for us to move forward as well. You see, when Jesus led them to the vicinity of Bethany, and that is, then he lifted up his hands, and he blessed them, and while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken into heaven. And then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. You see, that's what Jesus came to do, to give us hope, to fill us with joy and instill faith. Jesus did that to the disciples in his humanity. Humanity transformed by the Holy Spirit. My friends, I have a story to share with you. This is the power of people called to surround one another with hope and joy and faith. Her name was Lorena. She says this, my life had a total upheaval that I could never have thought I would go through. One week before their 19th anniversary, her husband told her he was leaving her and her three children. Only explanation was this, I no longer love you, and he walked out. What you need to know is her husband was a pastor, and many of their friends were mutual friends together. He left them as well. Lorena went from a place of grief and despair and isolation to a community of believers around her, surrounding her with their care. She was transformed by the power of God's word, by a group, I'll say a band of believers, of a group of women. They were part of community Bible study. And they surrounded her through the time of her pain. They cried with her. They leaned into her life with her. And it was through the power of God's word, the transforming power of God's word and prayer, and I believe shown through their humanity, that she came to a different place. She came to acknowledging her Lord and Savior. And as tough as it was, 
They surrounded her through her struggles and gave her hope and joy and deepened her faith. So my friends, as we look at this low Sunday, is it a return to normal? Or shouldn't it be a new normal? Shouldn't it be who we're called to be to reflect Jesus in our lives, to walk with brothers and sisters through their struggles, as Jesus did so well, the messiness of ministry. Sometimes, and I think I've shared this before with you, people will ask, what's it like working in a church? You used to work in a corporate environment. I worked for a Fortune 100 company for 32 years. I said, well, I'll tell you what, church is a messy place to be but it's a good place. It's a good place as we walk together. Because you see, we all have that rotting cat food and mayonnaise. We all have, are filled with that sin. But because of that righteousness that we have been given through the power of the Holy Spirit to work in and through our lives, when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. My friends, that's the church of Jesus Christ. That's who we should be. We should be moving forward, not moving on, moving forward because of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Are you ready? This Sunday should be a high Sunday. Every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday because of the living hope we have through Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Gracious and loving God, thank you for these words again of the gospel writer Luke. Thank you for his focus on the humanity of Jesus, who poured himself out, who in being the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being found in human likeness and in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and was obedient to the cross, even to death on the cross. But therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.